live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. All right, let's start first with what happened last night. Now, I know this is going to sound wild, but come to find out, experience actually does matter. Come to find out, never coaching at any level above high school actually is not the best way to prepare for an NFL head coaching gig. Incredibly, having zero experience and then walking right into an NFL locker room right in the middle of the season is not a formula for success. Who could have seen that coming? Other than everybody. Other than everybody except Jim Irsay. Apparently because I distinctly remember Jim Cray-Cray saying this about Jeff Saturday when he hired him. Quote, I'm glad he doesn't have NFL experience. End of quote. Remember he said that. I also remember him saying that right after he said that, he was looking for a proven leader and a winner at the NFL level. Huh? I want a guy with no NFL experience, but I want a guy who's a proven leader and winner at the NFL level. Yeah, so try and make that work. But then on top of that, he did say the Colts are in the upper quartile of the top quartile of winners. In the upper winners. quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's and then rare some rambling on about going to Mars, making sausage, building rockets, operating like the CIA. I mean, Ursay just like did not CIA. make any sense. That hire did not make any sense. And in crunch time of the fourth quarter last night, you saw why. Because what Jeff Saturday did did not make any sense to anybody except Saturday himself. In case you missed it, or if you saw it, let me reset it quickly. Indy had the ball at the Pittsburgh 33, down 7, 135 to go, and all three of their timeouts. And then they ran just two plays over the next 65 seconds before finally taking their first timeout right before they came up short on fourth and two and lost that game. And listen, I understand. I understand we were all mesmerized and hypnotized by Matt Ryan's 14-yard scramble. Mesmerized and hypnotized by watching a mannequin with a helmet try to run it in crunch time. It was sort of like watching slow motion in slow motion. And kind of borderline disturbing. Borderline erotic. Nothing erotic about that. Borderline disturbing and extremely distracting. I will give you that. I mean, I get not being able to take your eyes off that slow-moving train wreck. But somebody has to keep their freaking head. Somebody has to freaking call timeout. And that somebody is the freaking head coach. I mean, my guy. You're no longer flipping pancakes. You're not dishing out hot takes anymore, Saturday. Hell, I'm not even sure, after seeing that last night, that you deserve the right to be called by your rightful name. Not after last night. I mean, use your damn timeouts, Tuesday. And not just to stop the clock, but also to pick up all the pieces that fell off of Matt Ryan during that run so you could put him back together again. Instead, Coach Pra and the Colts did this. And we are down to one minute left. Second and 17, and Ryan right up the gut. 
dives short of the first down, and they have got to take a timeout here, I would imagine. But they're not. Wow. Call timeout, Mike. And it's third down. Under 40 to go. The clock. They hand off. They don't get it. Play made by Highsmith. It's fourth down. Coach Bra. The clock. The clock. The clock. The clock. The clock. Coach Bra. The clock. How does he not have someone who has coached above the high school level in his ear saying, Coach, the clock! The clock! The clock! clock. Even Joe Buck, for that matter. How does he not have Joe Buck in his ear? The clock! The The clock! clock. The clock! Even Joe Buck's like, quote, they've got to take a timeout here, I would imagine, but they're not. Take a timeout here, I would imagine, but they're not. Wow. (laughs) Right, wow. But they're not. They're not because they were in too much of a hurry to hand it off for no gain. Like, common sense says call a timeout, regroup. But Coach Bra and his 30-year-old play-calling prodigy said, F them timeouts. F them timeouts. F them them timeouts. F them picks. And then they run it, and then they get stuffed. I mean, how the hell does every single person watching that game know they have to use a timeout, except for the one guy paid to call a timeout, Jeff Wednesday? I mean, damn, Thursday. The hell are you thinking right there? Mike McCarthy cannot believe how badly you mangled the clock. Call timeout, Mike. Even worse, Jeff Monday still had no idea what was going on even after the game, because even then, he still didn't think there was anything wrong with his clock management. I didn't feel like time was really of the essence at the moment. I thought we had a good play. Um, I thought we would get to, yeah, and I felt like we would get to it. You know, we, you know, obviously we don't do great on the backside, so it's it's worse than it, you know, but I felt good about the call before. Felt like we had time. We would have timeouts afterwards. We were in striking distance, so yeah, I, I never felt like the pressure of needing the timeout Whoa, 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 whoa. Did Coach Bra seriously just hit us with that? Did Coach Monday really just say, quote, I didn't think time was of the essence? That's his actual statement. I didn't think time was of the essence. Quote, end of quote. I didn't feel like time was really of the essence at the moment. I I didn't think time was of the essence. When talking about a fourth quarter, two-minute drill while trailing by a touchdown. Hey, listen. I don't know how it works in high school, Coach Bra, but that is the exact scenario where time is of the essence. So, for future reference, when you're trailing by one score inside the two-minute mark in a pro football game, then time is of the essence. You can pretty much bank on that always being true. Maybe it's different in high school, but in pro football, you have to mind the the clock in that scenario. The clock. The clock. The clock. Not only that, but he's actually trying to tell us about how great the play was that they had drawn up. Dude, you ran it straight forward for zero yards. That is not a great play. In fact, that was pretty much the worst play. And, of course, it didn't work. And that's not any armchair quarterbacking either. That's common sense. 
And the crazy thing about that terrible clock mismanagement sequence was that it was only barely, barely the ugliest indie sequence of the entire game. The Colts were only in a seven-point hole because they fumbled at the one late in the third quarter in one of the great yakety sacks plays of the entire NFL season. So first and goal, Colts at the one, under center. Matt Ryan, Jonathan Taylor is the back. They give it to Taylor, and he lost the ball, and Matt Ryan recovered it back to the seven-yard line. The Steelers, though, think they have it. Oh, this would be disastrous. No signal yet. No signal yet. I haven't seen anything. Pittsburgh celebrating, though. I think Pittsburgh's got the ball, and Jonathan Taylor has just lost his fourth fumble yeah. this season. He never got the. He never secured the ball on the exchange, oh. man. Oh, Colts radio. That was disastrous. If you're a Colts player or a Colts fan or somebody who bet on the Colts, oh, what do we have here? One MVP, two first-team All-Pros. Five Pro Bowl trips between Matt Ryan and Jonathan Taylor, yet they were unable to execute a handoff on first and goal from the one. And not only did they fumble the exchange, they fumbled it right back into Matty made of ice's hands. And yet they still managed to turn the ball over. Oh, does not begin to do that justice. I mean, that's excruciating. (laughs) That's hideous. And then the end of the game was so horrific that almost everybody forgot about that double fumble on first and goal at the one. Forgot that that even happened. So what I'm saying is really, really rough night for Coach Pra and melting Matty. And rough nights will happen when you step into an NFL locker room with zero experience in the middle of the season. Like, I would tell this Pra to act like he's been there before, but he hasn't. And that's why he jacked it up so badly, because he hasn't been there before. Yet he's the only one in the world who thinks that he did not jack that up. Like, still doesn't get it. I didn't think that time was of the essence. That's an all-time quote. Oh, yeah, that right there. That is the best sound ever. That is the best sound ever. It's also a reminder that it's time to knock out that new business idea and to start with Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anybody from anywhere. So whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it is time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. And with Shopify, you will customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that create diehard fans. Shopify can help you with all of that. Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow a winning business from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is on your team every step of the way. Find out for yourselves. Sign up right now for a free trial at shopify.com slash R-O-M-E, all lowercase. Again, you want to go to Shopify.com slash Rome, R-O-M-E, and start selling online today. I don't know where I would be without them. Shopify.com slash Rome. Now, the good news for Saturday is... (laughs) Yeah, I guess. The good news is they're a 4-7-1 team that's getting lapped by the Titans 
And the news cycle is a beast that constantly needs to be fed. That means your blunders will be forgotten probably by the next segment, maybe even hour number two. So you've got that going for you, which is nice. I mean, I could paint my house and have it dry in the time that it took Matt Ryan to run both those plays. In fact, I could paint both my houses, let them both dry, take a flight, lay over, change planes, all of that in the time that it took him to run those plays. Matt in Cleveland could do a live reading of War and Peace in the time that it took Matt to get to the line of scrimmage. Uh, Christy Alley. That lazy, uh, doesn't-give-a-damn teenager working at my smoothie place can ring me up in less time. And by the way, had I not walked out the door that day, I would still be standing there waiting on her right now. And that was like a year and a half or two years ago. Hey, Jeff. Wow. Hey, Jeff. Don't you want to call a timeout, bro? You know you have all three. Nah. nah. Hey, yo, check out this grass. Check the grass growing. Cool, right? Man, old Wednesday is like the DMV. Like, man, these people are working fast. Damn, they're on fire. These DMV workers are working like their hair is on fire. That's why you don't hire a high school coach. 1-800-636. The clock! Love to see it. The clock. Or say, love to see it. Love to bet, bet against my guy. I wish I had. I wish I had. Full transparency. Wish I had. Wow. Wow is right. I'm talking with Jay Woods of OmegaTaxCredits.com, who is describing the businesses that have benefited from a tax refund via the Employee Retention Credit, the ERC through the IRS. What kind of companies have come through as a result of hearing me talk about this message on the air? Can you give me some examples? We have a uh, Best Pizza. It's in Brooklyn, New York, 12 employees. We were able to qualify them for $56,000. We were able to gap another $56,000 for them, and they were ecstatic. We had a medical professional company in San Diego with 250 employees get $3.5 million. Their workforce was deemed non-essential by the government. And so they had a huge revenue decrease and that's how they qualified. And they they are one of the groups that really maximized this credit. We've got a group in Kansas that's also an employment agency. They've got 72 employees. We able to get them $167,000. And that's just three of the companies that OmegaTaxCredits.com has helped. There is time still for you to apply and determine if your small business qualifies for a tax refund like this. You've weathered the pandemic and the economy. So see if you qualify. Omega Tax credits.com. Alejandro Bedoya is my guest. Alejandro, great to have you on the show. How are you? Jamie, I'm good. I'm good. Good to, uh, thanks for having me on and good. Great to see you become a soccer fan these days. You know it. You know it. I'm all about it. And it's great to have you on the show. I really appreciate it. So pretty basic for the U.S. Win and you're in anything less than that and you're done. What has impressed you the most about the U.S. thus far? And then what is your biggest concern for Team USA as it relates to today's matchup with Iran? Yeah, I've had to give the national team a lot of credit. You know, I think they've shown really well this tournament. Uh, they had a great opening first half against Wales. Unfortunately, not to come out with the win there. And then against England, you know, obviously everybody, that was the biggest game so far. And uh, they showed really, really well. Dominating part to play, having the better chances. Uh, I've seen some great play from Tyler Adams, you know, showing off uh, he's deserving to be captain. Christian Pulisic, Eunice Musa has impressed me. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to see in this game, let's see what changes are. You said 90 minutes before kickoff. I haven't seen who the starting lineup is, but uh, I hope to see some changes, you know, to see some play from Gio Reyna and, and my former teammate, Brendan Aronson, who, uh, you know, has a lot of promise. 
Alejandro Padoya joining us. All right, so a lot in that answer. Speaking of Reyna, how do you think that he has been used thus far, and then how critical might he be today? Yeah, well, he hasn't really been used. You know, I don't think he's had the opportunity to to show off what he's a uh, what he's capable of. And, and I'd say the same goes for Brendan Aronson, my former team. I think these are two guys that can have a good impact on this team, who have shown their quality throughout and who have been performing really well for the club team. So I'm interested to see how they're used today because I think they could be the main the difference makers for our our team specifically, Gio Reyna. You know, I wonder. You mentioned that that. The U.S. did have some chances against England, to be sure. That said, chances have been kind of tough to come by for the Americans thus far. How aggressive do you expect Coach Greg Berhalter to be today? Any idea? I would love for him to be more aggressive. You know, I think, to be fair, I think Iran might approach this game a little bit more defensively, so it's going to be tough to break them down. But we need that's why we need these types of guys like Gio Reyna and Brendan Harrison to put pressure on them to, you know, try to create something out of nothing. Because, unfortunately, you know, we struggle with that number nine position, a striker who we can count on to score goals. So we're going to need them from our midfielders, uh, and these are the guys that can create the difference. So I hope we can, uh, you know, create as many chances as we had against England, and, and we just got to be able to convert those chances. You know, we can't go be too wasteful. You know, what about that? Were you encouraged by the team's play, the scoreless draw against England? I was encouraged because I liked what I saw. You know, they were on the front foot. They weren't backing down. Uh, and like I said, they were able to uh, create some quality chances that I think on another day, you know, I, I remember in the first half, Weston McKinney, he skied one, which I think he, he normally would do better on that. Uh, and, and they created the better chances against a, a really, really good Engl English side. So I was definitely encouraged from what I saw. And I, like I said, the first half against Wales was also some some of the best soccer I've seen him play, actually, in, in a couple, the last couple of years. So. I'm encouraged, but like I said, you have to put the ball in the back of the net, and we've struggled with that. So that's what gets me a little nervous still against Iran today because I expect them to be in a lower block. Uh, so can we have those players like uh, the Geos uh, that can create something out of nothing and, and create a little bit of extra space and, and get that shot off to, to make, score a goal? Alejandro Bedoya joining us. You mentioned also Tyler Adams. I'm curious, what do you remember about the first time you played against him, and then how do you think he's handled the responsibility of being team captain? Yeah, I actually tweeted something recently uh, about my first encounter with him when I first came back to the league uh, after that English game. Yeah, um, I remember I seeing this young kid and we're going at it, you know, kind of seeing each other a lot in, in the midfield. And we actually came victorious that game. But I did notice that he was closing me down like so hard and getting stuck in and in my face. And I'm like, who is this young kid, you know, getting in my face? And, you know, it's good to, to, to have some... Uh, Good, friendly, uh, you know, talk between us and, and some banter. But I, the first thing I remember right after the game finished, uh, I went over to him. I was like, hey, man, I got a lot of respect for you. You don't back down. And, and I like what I saw from you. You know, you hungry. Uh, and I knew that I, I was seeing a guy that had a lot of potential. And, and he's lived up to it so far and has shown in this tournament. He's a key, key player for us. Very deserving of the captaincy. And, you know, he sets a tone. You see him closing down the guys on the other side, the English side. I mean, the biggest uh, compliment I can say to him is the English, the, the English team uh, put in Jordan Henderson into that match instead of putting like a more attacking player just to, you know, get a foothold on the midfield. So that, that's incredible, I think. And he's been so far the, our best player in the tournament. Alejandro Bedoya joining us. Now, you play for the national team, so you know. You know, you know all about this. And you know that soccer and politics can intersect and they have, once again, yesterday, Greg Berhalter and Tower Adams were at the center of a pretty contentious press conference that didn't have really that much to do with soccer itself. Do you think the tensions off of the pitch 
are going to impact what happens on it today. Yeah, look, sports, we, it doesn't live in a vacuum, right? Especially soccer being such a global sport. And we knew, everybody knew coming in where, you know, the where it's being hosted, that there was a lot of issues at stake, right? And uh, there's a lot of distractions. This is just another perhaps distraction outside the field. But I know that, you know, these guys, once that whistle blows, everything goes out the window. They're staying focused. They're only focus is to do their best to represent themselves well to you know represent their families their friends and of course put on a show for their country and they're going to do everything both sides to do everything they can to win this game so they'll be putting everything aside and the focus is on on the game plan that they've set forth for the match and uh hopefully the usa will come out victorious I mean, can you speak to, like, what they must be feeling like right now? This is a game, a match that they've worked their entire lives for. I mean, this is as big as it gets. And at the same time, it's a really young team, but it's a young team with some players that are playing some really, really, really big matches elsewhere. What about the pressure? How do you compartmentalize that? And generally speaking, what do you think these guys are feeling right now, 90 minutes out, under 90 minutes out? Yeah, look, these, this group of guys are the second youngest team in the World Cup. They grew up in the age of social media, right? So I think they 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 have a pretty good grasp of how to deal with pressure and noise and and blocking all that stuff out, right? Um, however, I know, you know, being a player, you go to bed the night before and in your mind, you're kind of playing certain scenarios out in your mind, seeing how, you know, visualizing certain plays. And, and I know they have in the back of their mind that 2010 World Cup, you know, uh, Algeria, right? With Landon Donovan scored that, the game winner and, and just the emotions behind that. And, and they're all looking to see if they could be that hero, right? To score that game winning goal that helps propel the USA to the next round. And they're all thinking about that. And, and they got a game plan. Like I said, it's one thing to have X's and O's, but once that whistle blows, you know, you zone out and, and you're focused on the match and, and it's all about the willingness to win. You know, at this point, it's it's who has the more will to to, to get the result. And I hope that uh, the USA comes out, you know, firing on all cylinders. All right. So really quickly, before I ask you for a prediction, what about one thought about goalkeeper Matt Turner? He's allowed just that one goal in the two matches and that came on that penalty kick by Wales. How impressed have you been with what you've seen from him? I've been very impressed by him and his composure. I mean, there was a couple of times in the England game, actually, when he, he was very calm on the ball and made me a little nervous, you know, the way he was passing out of the back. But he, he's great. I mean, his story is wonderful. I mean, credit to him. You know, another guy like myself, born in North Jersey, so representing. <laughs> but uh, he, he he's, his story is fantastic, the way he started to get into soccer and, and how far he's come in such a short time. And he's an incredible shot stopper. Uh, and I think he just gives uh, our defense and our team in general a, a lot of calm uh, with this play. So he's been crucial, you know, coming up with uh, big saves. Hey, before you go, let me ask you this. You were named the 2022 MLS Works Humanitarian of the Year. It's an award given to the player who exemplifies both skill on the field and service within the community. You are well known for your activism, especially in trying to eradicate gun violence. It's a really, really great award. What does receiving that award mean to you? Yeah, I was very humbled, perhaps, you know, not as deserving as others, but, you know, I think it's the, I think it's uh, having the respect of your peers. I think that's what I was fascinated by. And, and I'm very blessed to be able to have that award. You know, like I said, I think soccer in general, sports, you know, but soccer in general being the global game, as we've seen uh, at Qatar, has the ability to unite people, to bring people together. And, you know, when you want to create some positive social change, I think it helps. And, you know, we just want the best for our communities. And I think through soccer and, and, and leveraging my platform, I think it's important to to, to have a, a say to, to and try to, you know, have progress throughout our communities and society and, you know, wherever we can.
Good for you, and congratulations on that. So, really quickly, Alejandro, what are you looking for early in the match? And how about a prediction? What do you think is going to happen? I'm looking forward to USA coming out full of energy, getting that, you know, stuck in first tackle and playing on the front foot, playing in their half and keeping it in there, keep the pressure on. And, uh, but I think they're going to be more defensively Iran. So Iran, excuse me. But, um, so, but I'm looking forward to, you know, like I said, uh, a one zero result is what I I'm feeling right now. Like we've been, you know, it's tough to score goals and uh, they haven't been able to demonstrate that they can. Uh, so one zero will do. And, and that's a fight that will suffice to get on to the next round. 1-0 certainly would do. Anything less than that, and they're going home. He is a midfielder for Philadelphia Union, a member of the 2014 World Cup team. He has been here before. Alejandro Bedoya, my guest. Alejandro, really appreciate you. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for your thoughts, and we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, and let's go USA. This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection, the latest innovation from Discover. Discover will help you regularly remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data. And they will do it for free. Activate in the Discover app and see terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. Let's talk some college football. The biggest most hyped college coaching search in the country came to a close yesterday. Supposedly the biggest job on that carousel. Supposedly the biggest opportunity out there. And the next leader of the Auburn Tigers football program is Hugh Freeze. The coach of Liberty. The Liberty coach who just lost his last three games and got blown out by New Mexico State only three days ago, was hired by Auburn. The Liberty coach. The Liberty coach because, by the way, what the hell was that guy doing in Liberty? Because he resigned Ole Miss in disgrace. You mean that Liberty coach? That's the new head coach at Auburn? Auburn went to Liberty to get their head coach. That's the best that Auburn could do. Like, on the one hand, I find that really hard to believe. But on the other, I don't. Because clearly, Hugh Freeze was, in fact, the best that Auburn could do. Just as Auburn is clearly fine with all the grease and baggage that this dude is going to drag along with him. You know, the multiple recruiting and academic scandals that iced him at Ole Miss. Clearly, Auburn is all good with that. They're also all good with those repeated phone calls to an escort service. Uh, Excuse me, my bad, my bad. The repeated butt dials to an escort service. The butt dial calls to an escort service. That was the excuse, remember? Remember that entire deal. That Hugh Freeze. The same dude who tried to convince us that he butt dialed an escort service. And not just for one oopsie, but for multiple accidental butt dials over a span of years. Man, I hate it when that happens. Why does that keep happening? Why does my buttocks keep dialing the same hooker over and over and over again? Great, great. Another hooker at the door because of my butt dialing. There's got to be a fix. There's got to be a solution to my 
butt dialing of hookers. That's an infliction. Yeah, but they don't care about that. Multiple butt dials. I mean, there was only one butt fumble. But apparently, multiple butt dials. But, but they were all accidental. It was just one giant quinky dink, according to Hugh, a.k.a. the brand-new Auburn head football coach. Like, And by the way, this was not ancient history either. The Ole Miss gig blew up in his face only five years ago, which is why I don't really have any time for this quote that he dropped through Sports Illustrated yesterday. Quote, with anybody, I made sure they knew that if I hurt them, I was sorry. Can we stop right there? There's, there's that, that classic, if I hurt anybody by insert, something that people were hurt by. If I hurt anybody, then I'm sorry. Not I'm sorry. Not I'm sorry. The ultimate non-apology. If, with anybody, I made sure they knew that if I hurt them, I was sorry. But it's time to move on. How many times can we write about it? How many times can we talk about it? I said I was wrong. I paid a price. My family paid a heck of a price. End of quote. That is one of the worst non-apologies slash explanations ever. So he says, I paid a price. My family paid a price. Let's see. This dude sat out two seasons and then got paid five mil a year to coach at Liberty. A few seasons later, he's got the Auburn gig. So I'm not exactly sure how big of a price he actually did pay or if he paid one at all. I know this. Whatever heat he may have felt was of his own creation. Accidental butt dialing. Nothing happened to this guy. He brought all of this on himself. Like, if you want this to go away, I've got your solution, Hugh. You want this to all go away. Would you really like all of this to stop coming up and just to go away once and for all? All right. I got your answer. Beat it, bag. If you want this to all go away, then you need to just go away. Beat it, bag. But as long as you are front and center and you're coaching a high-profile program, especially one in the SEC, and you're pulling a big-ass check, it's always going to be there. It's always going to stick to you. The internet is ink, and all this crap will always be there. And asking people to just move on and telling them, in fact, that it's time to move on, like you get to decide when it's time to move on, that's rich. Telling people that it's time to move on will only ensure that they won't. And by the way, it's still not time to move on. It's not. You know why? Because this BS apparently was still going on at Liberty. Because just this summer, he was exposed for using DMs to harass a former Liberty student in the middle of a pending sexual assault case against the university. So save this sanctimonious bullcrap and admonishment of all of us about how we all need to turn the page. When you apparently are still pulling some some of the same bullcrap you always have. Just be grateful. Instead of telling us to move on, be grateful that Auburn doesn't give a damn. They just don't. They don't give a damn. They don't give a damn, but incredibly enough, and this is hilarious, they don't give a damn, but they don't fully trust you either. Because reportedly, as part of this deal, Freeze has agreed to, quote, relinquish control of his social media accounts. End of quote.
incredible. That's incredible. Like ripping your teenager's phone as punishment for something. Like, I don't know. If you can't trust your new head coach with a phone, maybe that's not the guy you want to hire. Maybe that's not the right guy. Putting study clauses in Kyler Murray's contract cannot believe that Auburn is putting social media clauses in Freeze's deal. What? Did parental controls not want any of that? That'd be like trying to hire Pervin Liar, but putting in his contract that Buddy can't have a night out or Buddy can't chase co-eds at the chop house anymore. That's devastating. At some point, you've got to realize when you're drafting that kind of contract language, the contract language where the head coach is not allowed to access social media, while you're drafting that kind of contract language, that's the very moment you should actually be tearing up that contract. Yes, Freeze has won some games, although pretty much almost all of them at Ole Miss have been erased. Yes, he's won some games. Yes, he is a sharp offensive coach. Never said he wasn't. Yes, he has beaten Nick Saban a couple of times. And at Auburn, frankly, that's all that matters, right? Why else would the guy be there right now? But I'll say it again. Is this really the best that Auburn can do? With a gigantic bag of cash waiting and all the hype and all the attention of the college football landscape focused on this opening, everybody waiting and watching and looking, and they come away with the head coach of Liberty? Find me something more anticlimactic than that. Nebraska hit a bleeping home run with Matt Rule. Wisconsin hit a home run with Luke Fickle. But the best Auburn can do is Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze with social media restrictions. Hey, Auburn fan, I would say you're better than this, but you're not. At least your program isn't. But you are who you hire. War Eagle? War Eagle. I think a lot of you don't even know why we wore things on this show. It's because of that. War Eagle. That's how that started decades ago on this show. War Eagle. That's why people always say, hey, Rome, war, insert, whatever they like. War Eagle. Yeah, war accidentally butt-dialing escorts for years and expecting people to just forget that that ever happened and move on. Yeah, war that. I hate to play armchair AD, but why not wait until Cliff Kingsbury gets fired? That hurt me more than that hurt him because that didn't hurt him at all. Cliff is like, he's like a unicorn. He keeps falling forward. Are you going to tell me that he couldn't have gotten that job or wouldn't have gotten that job? He's always waiting to fall forward. Or here's a better idea. Take whatever it is that you offered Lane Kiffin. Rip it up. Write a number that is double the previous number and then slide that piece of paper over to Lane and keep increasing that number until Lane says yes. Or if that really won't work, you know what you could do? You really could just keep Cadillac at the helm. You know. Even that'd be better, right? You ought to know by now. You ought to know by now.
I'm telling you, you know what you're going to do? You ought to know by now because you're going to give your fan base a heart attack, 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 attack. This dude, about Hugh, they gonna roll him in in that hospital bed? I wonder if Auburn ripped his phone and gave him a flip phone or one of those kids' phones that aren't actual phones, but the kid thinks it's a phone, like the jitterbug maybe? Where you're allowed to call three people? Your wife, the AD... And your mom. One of those phones that has only three numbers on it. Your wife, the AD, and your mom. Yeah, but if that's how that works, how in the world am I going to text all my hookers? Accidentally butt dial escort services in other states. Hey, Coach, here's the thing. You're our guy. We love you, but... Here is your university-issued phone. It has three numbers on it. The AD, your wife, your mom. Sorry. Yeah, but how do I slide into others' DMs? You can, as long as it's the AD, your wife, or your mom. What fun is that? Yeah, I know. One thing about this, though, Coach, it's got a hardcore GPS, so we always know where you are. And geolocating, too. Here's your phone. And don't don't get cute and get a burner, either. All right? One more thing. There's a minutes cap on this, too. And don't get crazy with the roaming charges. Here's your phone. And, 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 and no access to iTunes or the App Store. No access to anything. No access for you, coach. No apps. Dude, no apps. No apps. No apps. No apps. What if I need a ride? What if I need a ride service? I mean, you want me to be responsible, right? Fine. Call one of the three people on your phone. Yeah, but what if I'm out with boosters and I have one too many and I want to do the responsible thing? I need to call Uber. No, no, no apps on your phone. You call the AD. Or you call your mom, or you call your wife. Your mom. Your AD. Your mom. Your wife. Your mom. No apps. No apps. No exorbitant roaming charges. No data at all. Other than that, welcome to the SEC, Coach. You're our guy. Good to have you. Love to have you. You were the best we could do. I would have slid a blank check in front of Lane and said, hey, Lane, you fill it out. Or go back to Cadillac. They hired a guy who coached at Liberty who just got hammered by New Mexico State. Good luck winning that press conference. Dave the Rocket guy. Hey, Jimmers. It's pretty funny that Auburn hired Freeze over Pervin Liar. Guess butt dials to hookers isn't as bad as grinding on co-eds or kicking kickers. Man, does that tell you all you need to know how toxic Perv is? That 
Hugh Freeze is an easier sell to the media and fan base than Pervin Liar. Oh, great. Another hooker coming to the wrong house. Will you people leave me alone? This dude, man. It's time to turn the page. Stop bringing it up. How many times are we going to write that story? Uh, hello? Nobody home. Nobody home. You're not on my phone. I can only call three people. Stop ringing the doorbell. Mom? Your mom. Is that the AD? Hey, Jim Rome here. Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. An egg is the most versatile grill you're ever going to own. You can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. I'm not kidding. Try a pizza on the egg. It'll amaze you. Stop wasting money on grills that you have to replace every few years. We've all been there. We've done that. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs too. Listen to me. Roll with an authentic big green egg. It's a ceramic marvel backed by a lifetime warranty. It's simple to light, easy to use, and it works without a power source, so there's no need to plug anything in. And with the playoffs and the holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. It also makes an amazing gift, and they have two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. That's right. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com. Have it delivered to your house for free. That's BigGreenEgg.com, and you will thank me later. Because there were a few amazing moments, viral moments, that even though they were viral, I was not able to get to them yesterday. And some that are so funny that I can't stop watching. One in particular, Seattle fan. (laughs) Seattle fan, let me just say this. You all, or better yet, your team, is taking that 12th man thing just a little bit too far. I know you 12s love that identity and that you're known as such, but you're taking it a little too far or one of your guys is. I'm talking about edge rusher Daryl Taylor. Have you seen this play? I mean, it is truly amazing. It is laugh out loud, laugh out bleeping loud. funny. Like, I've never seen anything like it. Not in Pee Wee, not in high school, not in college, and sure as hell not in the NFL. You have to find this clip if you're not watching. Do we have this on our TV simulcast? I think we do. You're in luck if you're watching on CBS Sports Network. If not, you need to find it because it's incredible. I'm talking about the opening play of their game versus the Raiders on Sunday. Derek Carr drops back to pass. He's looking for his guy, his favorite target, Devontae Adams. However, Seattle Seahawks safety, Quandre Diggs, steps in front of the throw, INT. It sounded like this. Play fake, over the middle. Oh! Intercepted! Picked off by Quandre Diggs. Diggs out of bounds at about the 15-yard line. And just like that, the Seahawks grab the momentum. All right, so obviously a very exciting play for all of Seattle. And especially for an uncontrollably excited number 52, old Daryl. He was standing on the Seahawks' sideline. I say uncontrollably excited because my man 
ran onto the field mid-return during the play. Keep in mind, he was on the sideline when the ball was snapped. After the pick, he jumped into the action, apparently. Or at least I think he assumed that the play was over, but it wasn't. Like, he ran onto the field. But this is where he turns into a legend. At that point, he's probably thinking, oh, hell no. What am I doing out here? I got caught up and emotion just carried me onto the field. But instead of realizing that and going back to the sideline and risking showing the entire world that he just inserted himself into a game mid-play, Daryl decides instead, you know what? Maybe I can just blend in. Maybe if I block on the return, nobody will know. Man, you want to talk about a boss. You want to talk about a dude who's quick on his feet. What a freaking boss. This legend ends up blocking Mac Hollins. He finishes the play, and then he continues to celebrate after Diggs runs out of bounds. Again, just to be so I'm so clear on this. An interception, this dude comes off the sideline, onto the field, so now there's 12, and thinks to himself, uh-oh, what do I do now? Oh, I know. I'll just blend in and start blocking to help set up the return. And the best part is, it bleeping worked. Not only did you not hear the announcers pick up on it, neither did the refs. That's right, the officials. The officials, ass as they ever were, somehow missed it as well. And the replay official who reviewed the turnover missed it too. Seattle kept the ball. Old Daryl commits a penalty, but he didn't because nobody called it. I mean, the whole thing is just so amazing and so funny. Even Raiders head coach Josh McDaniels could not help but laugh about the entire thing yesterday when he was asked about the play. How does that kind of work? We're the Raiders. (laughs) (laughs) You know, yes, I saw the play. No, I've never seen anything like that before. (laughs) I mean... I think he went out there to, like, celebrate, and then he ended up making a couple blocks there. (laughs) Like, I'm not sure I've ever seen my dude, Josh McDaniels, with such an enormous grin, ever. In all the years I've seen him in the NFL, I've never seen a guy smile like that. And you know why that is? Because safe to say, it's the funniest thing dude has ever seen as a coach on any level. Hell, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen as a human being. On any level. Again, dude was so hyped that his teammate made a play that he couldn't contain himself. Next thing he knows, he's in the damn field of play. During a play. And like I said, probably thought, "Uh uh-oh! I'm on the freaking field. Now what? Maybe if I just start blocking and (laughs) celebrating with everybody else, nobody will even know I'm out here. Or they won't count. Or they won't know. And the most awesome part, again, of the whole thing is he was right. And I love it because it's hilarious. Now, rest assured, my dude Josh McDaniels would not have seen any humor in that if my other dude, Josh Jacobs, didn't get so nice again and bail their asses out with that OT house call. But he did. Now, Raider fan is not hearing it. Raider fan doesn't think it's funny at all. Raider fan thinks it's just another example of the refs and the league 
having it in for the Raiders, that the league is out to get the Raiders, that the league is always out to get to the Raiders, that the league is looking to jam the Raiders any chance it gets. And they'll point to that as evidence of it. And then they'll throw the tuck rule card from the bottom of the deck. And since thinking everybody is out to get you is not just a mindset, but an entire lifestyle, Raider fan, I'm going to try and talk you off that. Actually, I'm not. I know I can't. I'm not going to talk you off that, Raider fan. I know that you think that the world is out to get you. I know you think the league is out to get you. I'm not going to talk you off that. However, don't try and talk me off that being one of the most hilarious things ever because you can't. You can't because it is. It is hilarious. And by the way, Raider fan, don't sweat that. That's two for you. Dubs, that is. A Seattle fan, that's now two for you. Two straight L's. And if we're going to keep it real, Seattle fan, since we were hyping what an amazing story you were, if we're going to keep it real, the way your defense has been playing of late, I'm not sure you could stop anybody, even if you had 12 guys on the field at all times. Coach them up, bubblegum assassin. Except Daryl. Leave that cat alone. Leave that dude alone. He knows exactly what he's doing. Ask me. There is your league MVP right there. Yo, MVP, I do have a question. I got to ask, where were you on that Jacobs TD? Yeah, you were on the sidelines during his walk-off 86-yard touchdown run. But clearly, that hasn't stopped you before. You did it earlier in the game. When you saw Jacobs break containment, did you forget your assignment to run onto the field somewhere midfield and make the touchdown-saving tackle? It actually answers a question that had not been resolved for nearly a decade. Remember back in 2013 when the Ravens won the Super Bowl, your fellow MVP, Joe Flacco, suggested tackling 49er Ted Ginn on a kick return in the final seconds. Remember? If he starts to break it, go tackle him. Really? I don't know. I mean, what else? What can they, I don't know. I mean, they might be able to give him a touchdown on that, but I don't know. Hey, if he breaks it, if he busts this for some reason, tackle him. Go tackle him. I don't know what the rule is on that, but I will. I'm going to. All right, so now we have our answer. Now we know what the rule is on that. What's the rule on that? Nothing. There is no rule against that. Nothing. As in, nothing will happen to you if you're on the sideline and you see a guy breaking away. Go make a play. The refs will let you do it. We saw it this weekend. It happened. It is one of the funniest things ever. I can't stop watching it. Foyer Aluakin is my guest. Foyer, great to have you on. How are you? Doing well. How are you guys doing today? Good, dude. Good. Great to have you. So you had an enormous game against the Ravens on Sunday, as I mentioned. 18 tackles, 13 solo tackles. You've had some big games. Have you ever had a game like that, personally? Uh, statistically, no. I just, you know, kind of just happened as the game was going on and, and kind of just make the plays as they come, um, fill in the gaps and stuff. But like while, while it's happening... It kind of just feels like one of those days where, you know, you're getting to the ball a little bit, but you're not feeling like it's a big, you know, number like that. No. I get that. So what's a win like that do for the overall confidence for a young team like that to come back and finish the way you did? What's that do for the overall confidence of the team? 
it's, it's good just to know all the hard work we, we put in through the week is going to the right place. I know we've had our ourselves in, in that situation a couple times this year where maybe it didn't fall the way we wanted it to. It was just to see, you know, let's come out with a win uh, in a close game against a great opponent like that. Just shows, you know, what we were capable of com- competing against week in, week out. So, Foy, what's the experience been like for you? Like six months after you became a Jag, you were elected a captain. Not really surprising, but it's still pretty telling about you and what they think of you. What is your approach to leadership? Um, I'm, you know, I don't really describe myself as like a rah-rah guy. I think I'm more used to like leading by example, trying to show what work I think I feel like works throughout a week, um, you know, show, uh, showing my determination and stuff trying to help the team win throughout the week. But it's always, you know, the next step of the leader is like bringing guys along with you, um, kind of showing them and then not telling them, but, you know, doing it all together. So, uh, you know, especially as a defense, making sure everybody can see the same things out there on the field, be able to communicate with each other. But it's not just, you know, them seeing you do it. you got to kind of pull people along with you a little bit. Yeah, right. You know, the old saying, either you push or you pull if you're going to lead. You know, with that kind of mindset, it kind of brings me to the next point. You've put up some really, really big numbers this year. I mentioned you led the league in tackles last year. Do you feel like you're one of the top linebackers in the game right now? No, I never really looked like it that way because week in, week out, every linebacker, uh, you know, you have a bad game or a good game. And to say that you're the top, all of a sudden next week you have a bad game. People are down on you about that. I just try to be my best every week, uh, do what the team needs every week. I think a lot of linebackers have different skills across the league. Um, I know a lot of times we're matched up in coverage. Coverage is a lot of times, depending on the team you play, you might have to be more downhill. Some teams might have to be more lateral. But it's really being able to do what your team needs of you. If you can do that, then I feel like you're going to be a top linebacker in the league. But um, you know, sometimes different things are required from different people. For you, Lloyd Cannon is joining us right now. Your journey to me is really amazing. In fact, I want to get into that in a moment, but I saw something also I thought was really interesting. You've got your own clothing line. It's called the Team Ugly Gang. Dude, the Team Ugly Gang. What is that all about? What's that mean? It's really a brand of self-confidence. You know, just outside looking in, if I could wear a shirt, you know, calling myself ugly, I don't really care what people are thinking about my appearance or what people think about me because I'm, I'm pretty confident of what, what I bring to the table, how I step every day. But ugly stands for you got to love yourself. And uh, that can be, you can be, look at that many different types of ways, you know, just kind of in the football setting. Um, you know, a lot of people are going to have, you know, doubts about you or say this and that about you. But if you're confident of like your skill set and what you bring to a team each and every time, um, you know, that's who you are and that's who you portray every week. Uh, and then if you want to look at it appearance ways, like people call you ugly, everybody's ugly to somebody. But at the end of the day, the brand uh, logo is the ugly duckling, where people call it ugly his whole life. But at the end of the day, it was a swan. and That's the most beautiful bird in the world. But a swan, you know, at that time is going to be called ugly, but, you know, it's still a swan. So there's a swan in everybody, and everybody calls somebody ugly. But know who you are and be true to yourself, and that's what lets you shine. Hey, dude, I'm so glad I asked you that question. Team Ugly Gang. I love the acronym, too. So when you went to Yale, story is you could play either basketball or football. Like, what did that decision come down to? Did you like football better, or maybe did it just make more sense to you? It made more sense. I think watching, like, watching as a fan, I like basketball better. But playing and the feeling that you get when you win on a football field is way better than basketball. But... I wanted to go and I wanted to, you know, I chose Yale for obviously academics, but I didn't want to have to um, wait to play whatever sport I did choose to play. 
and just the way the basketball was looking, you know, I'm six one, kind of combo guard. Um, I knew a guy from St. Louis who was there, six four. He's pretty good, and you know, we kind of had to wait two years to really get solidified starting playing time. So I was looking at the football team and I was looking at the basketball team. I was like, you know, football might be the way to go here. Twenty two guys started every year, so I'll do that one. Dude, in, in and short, I and get bigger, like more food and more connections. So it just made more sense to me. Right, it made more sense. And in short, you did you did the math also, something you're good at. I'm curious, so when you stepped on campus and you made that decision, at what point did you start thinking about the NFL as a real possibility? Like, you know what, man, I can play there. Um, there's two, like, after freshman year, I got um, FCS, All-American for the freshman team. And then some of my coaches said, you know, keep on this path, keep getting better, you have a chance to make the league. And I just thought that's what coaches say to all the good players or whatever. But then it wasn't until um, actually my, my, my high school teammate, Zeke, he got direct, or he went off against Alabama. And I was watching that. I was like, wow, that's crazy. Cause I grew up you know, competing against them, competing with them all high school. Um, Alabama, you're just here, like, at that time, you know, top of the top. You know, they can't be beat. And he goes off and beats them in the, to go to the championship, wins MVP, all that stuff. Gets drafted fourth. Now I see him get drafted fourth. I'm doing again. I'm doing some math. I'm like, you know, I remember competing against him. Unless like, you know, our college programs are that much different, where he just got way much better than me. There's no way I can't make it to the NFL and at least compete with those guys too. You know, if he's going to be the superstar that he is, I want to have at least a role. So I just, you know, from that point on, I actually got hurt that year when I saw him. I was sitting there in a sling when he got drafted. I said, I'm going to come back from my injury. I'm going to train my besties. That's two years. I'm going to try as hard as possible to get there because I know if I get my foot in the door, I'm going to do it, whatever it takes to make it work. So that was kind of my mindset after that, and that's why I feel realized like my real chances on making the NFL. All right, so for those who didn't pick up on that, when you just kind of slipped that in, my high school teammate Zeke, you're talking about Zeke Elliott. So when you realize, hey, you know what, I, I, I know that I can hang. I've competed against this guy. I belong. And then the 2018 draft comes along, and you do get drafted. But I mean, back to the basketball thing for one thing. Like, you did the math, and football made more sense, but you did love basketball, and you played basketball growing up. I'm curious, who was your favorite basketball player when you were a kid growing up? Oh, growing up, I'd say most consistently it was Rondo, Rajon Rondo. How come? Rajon Rondo. Um, it's a floor general, and he's kind of overlooked on every team, but he brings what he brings to the team and makes them better. Like, if you look at that Boston Big Three, without a, a point guard doing what he does, I don't think they do much on the court. Um, and then he was scoring in his abstract ways. He was averaging like a triple-double in big games. You know, he have his crazy stat line, like 20 points, 24 assists, 10 rebounds. Like, um, But he wouldn't go talked about. And I was the person who, like, understands, you know, the ins and outs of basketball. I'm like, this guy here, he doesn't get all the praise in the world, but he's really what makes the team go. And then I liked his attitude. Just in, He's kind of a quiet, confident person. I just watched his interviews and stuff. I just love you know, his confidence in himself, no matter what people on the outside say, the confidence in himself, and he knows what he brings to the team. I really like that about him. He didn't give a damn, right? I mean, he cared a lot about the right things, but he didn't care what you thought or what anybody else thought, and that was really good for him. For you, you also, you changed your number when you came to Jacksonville from 54 to 23. It seems pretty obvious as to why you might do that, but for those not picking up on that, what was the thinking behind that move? Yeah, I was 23 my whole life growing up, and everybody, you know, Again, in basketball, you want to be somebody. Everybody wants to be Michael Jordan. And it's just this, this competitive spirit. And then, um, and that's kind of what I feel like I bring. I have a lot of competitiveness about me. And 
you know, they say he takes things personally. I feel like you, I won't say people try me all the time, but I do take a lot of things personally quietly. And that really fuels me in, into competing against whoever I'm going against because I want to be, you know, or have a leg up on whoever I go against. I want to win. I want to prove that I'm, I won't say better, but I want to prove that I can beat whoever I go against uh, day in, day out. And I feel like you have to have that kind of mindset about you to train that hard or to play that hard, just trying to prove you know, to whoever, even if the person might not be said as good as you, I have to prove, you know, to you that, you know, I'm, I'm going to beat you that day. So um, I just love that, you know, his work ethic and his his um, kind of mindset going into games and going into training that I feel like most athletes should invite. So before you go really quickly, let me ask you this. Like, those who know, know. I mean, you very clearly have proven yourself. You talk to anybody that you've played with, anybody you play with right now, they know exactly what you're all about. They know you're the guy who's going to lead from the front. You mentioned that people will try you. Do you feel like people still try you? Do you feel like you still have things to prove, like, that way? Oh, I got something to prove every every day I step in the facility. I got something to prove um, to coaches, to my, to my peers, um, to myself. Uh, and then when I go against somebody to them, uh, really, I get tried to somebody, you know, let's say they lower their shoulder on the hole. Like, they really thought that you could run over me. And I'm not saying that they can't run over me, but you really, like, had that thought in your mind that you was going to run over me. Like, you thought that I was weak and you are going to run. It's just, it, it just like, I don't like that. Um, it's just little things like that. It's just the game. Like, they're just playing the game to the best of their ability. But, um, you know, I just play for respect. Like, if I play against somebody, I want to earn their respect. I want them to not necessarily come to me after the game, but I want them to acknowledge, you know, have a mutual respect. Like, you're good, I'm good, so we're good. But if I feel like they don't have that respect towards me, that's where I feel trapped. Like, for you, you, to me, are a really different dude, and I mean that in the best way possible. So, like, the game, well, how do you see the game? Is the game just a game? I mean, an important game. You take it really seriously. Is it a game, or does it represent something even more than that to you? I feel like it's an opportunity. Um, every game is an opportunity. Obviously, the game is fun. It's a game. I kind of put a lot of importance in these games that I play. So, you know, when I lose, I get really down. When I win, I'm, I'm, I'm up. But I, I want to win the next one um, just because I know how my emotions kind of ride off of it. Um, but it's really like an example of who I am. I put on tape every week. It's kind of like I would say it's a lifestyle because that's really – all I'm doing right now is trying to show to people I feel like are important in my life, you know, my love, my, my dedication to the game. I want them to show, I'm trying to show, you know, how good I am every week. So um, I say it's a lifestyle right now. I like that. I like that a lot. And one last thought, Trevor Lawrence looked just great Sunday and not just on that winning drive. Obviously it's your first year with the team, but from what you see and what you hear, What's the biggest difference in him this year as compared to last year? I don't ask about last year just because I don't like when people start talking down and stuff. But I, this year I'm seeing um, a lot of confidence and a lot of um, ability to kind of shrug off what might have happened in the past this year or what might have happened like last play and be able to get to that next play because he has the confidence in himself, kind of like what I was talking about earlier. Like um, He knows what he's capable of every play. And – I love, love how coachable he is. So, like, the Trevor Lawrence we saw in the beginning of the season is the Trevor Lawrence we're seeing now. And even, you know, when he does have a, a good game, he's always talking about things he could have done better. I think in order to be 
you know, one of the best, you got to keep improving yourself every game. And if you can do that every game, not just every season, but, you know, from last game to the next game, you're going to improve rapidly. He was currently, actually is currently third in the NFL in tackles this year, led the NFL in tackles last year, coming off an enormous game in that win over the Ravens, played his college ball at Yale, and was drafted in 2018. Foye Aluakin, my guest. Foye, I usually do not keep a guest that long, but just had to chop it up, man. That was fun. That was interesting, and I really appreciate you. Great to have you back on. Thanks so much. I appreciate you. Yeah, it was cool talking with you. Good night now!